Hey everyone, welcome to the Everyday Mental Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. On today's episode, we have Mary joining us. Mary is a coach and she dives into her personal story and what led her to starting her own coaching business. It's a great episode. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Mary Teresa. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about you and your background? Sure. So my name is Mary Teresa Tringali, but I go by Mary RMT. So whichever you feel most comfortable with and how far back do we want to go? So I guess I'm originally from the Boston area. I, um, went to school for marketing and communications. And that's what my full-time job is now. I've made my way from Boston to New York City. And then in New York City, I was in the magazine publishing industry. And that's uh, an important piece of this puzzle, because if anybody, any of your listeners (laughs) know anything about the New York City lifestyle, it um, is definitely the Devil Wears Prada kind of lifestyle where it's very intense, no boundaries, high, high, high expectations, and really no life outside of the job that you have. So we'll get into that when we talk about my story a little bit more. But I left New York and moved up to Maine. Um, And since then, I now work at what I consider my dream job, which is I'm the events and the events and sponsorships manager of Winter Kids, which is a nonprofit that's all about getting kids outside and active in the wintertime. But on the side, I am an accountability and mindset coach. And it has been quite the journey to actually getting to this place. And it wasn't until I had my own life experience and transformation that I was able to see that I could actually coach in that arena. Um, And what I coach is actually, you know, the tools and tactics and practices and lessons that I learned through my own transformation to really empower people, mostly women, to live their best life, to stand in their power and to be unapologetic about living the life that they want to live. And that's the actual thing that really, truly fills my cup. Yes. And I so love that. We're kind of similar. Well, you know, before this podcast, I, it was so funny. I was looking through Mary's Instagram and I was like, huh, she has a new England, uh, Red Sox cap on Boston Red Sox. <laughs> and I was like, I was wondering, you know, cause there's uh, fans across the country. And then I mm-hmm. scrolled through your Instagram and I was like, yeah, oh, she's in Portland, Maine. And yeah, <laughs> those who don't know I'm, I'm based right outside of Maine too. And, um, yeah, you're probably like the closest person I've interviewed on this podcast, like location wise. I, Oh, that's talked- so funny. We yeah, could have done it together. <laughs> I know. We right. If I together. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny just cause like, I'll talk to people on the West coast in the UK. Yeah. Uh, so it's so funny. It's awesome. Um, So I love that we have that commonality in terms of, you know, we both also work full-time jobs and have side businesses and things like that. Um, And you're a little more experienced in the coaching realm. Um, So I'm excited to dive into that. Uh, So you have a really great story around grief and financial struggle to abundance. That's a lot. Uh, Can you tell us about that story? Yeah. Yeah. kick back and relax while I tell you this, because it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of a long story, but I promise you it'll be worth it. So 
Um, so my story actually begins about 27 years ago. My dad was first diagnosed with sinus cancer and sinus cancer is an incredibly rare type of cancer. Um, back when he was diagnosed with it, it was, they didn't even know what kind of treatment to give him. So they pretty much gave him everything and it was very, very intense. And we never knew if he was going to survive or not. And what ultimately sent him into remission was that he, um, got this experimental treatment that used his own stem cells, um, they took out his stem cells and it was a stem cell transplant using his own stem cells. So they took them out of his blood, cleaned them up, put them back in. And now it did work and it sent him into remission was, was, was amazing. And it's now actually the, um, one of the regular treatments that they do for blood cancers, which is pretty cool to know that he was a part of that. Um, but you know, for 25 years, we were essentially waiting for the other shoe to drop. And throughout the years, there was always something like, oh, he has a spot here. We need to check on that. Ooh, there's something happening over here in his um, brain. We need to check on that and just stuff all along the road that just kind of always had us in the question, like, oh, is this it now? Um, and for the last three to five years of his life, he was really uh, struggling with different things. Every couple of months, he'd be in the hospital for one thing or another, but, you know, in the hospital and out within a day or two. And so, um, but so the last couple of years was really like, okay, okay, when it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And he had diet, he had gotten diabetes. Um, and I actually was convinced that after he like beat the odds, total medical mystery and beat the odds with sinus cancer, that the thing was going to, that was going to get him was he would, for, you know, have a, a sugar low one day and fall and break his neck. Um, but what ended up happening in December of 2019, he had woke up one night with a um, vertigo and he ended up going to the bathroom and um, fell and hit his head on the, on the sink in the bathroom and fell back and um, broke a hole in the wall. And it ended up being a concussion and he went to the hospital and within a month he got a brain infection. Um, so a brain infection is very serious and mm -hmm. you have to have brain surgery where they basically suck out the infection and then you have to be on antibiotics and he had to be on incredibly strong antibiotics for six weeks. Um, so he had to go to a rehab center for that. And then when he, um, came home from the rehab center and done with the antibiotics, he was home for two weeks and then he got meningitis and that's scary enough, but again, he's a medical mystery. So he made it through the meningitis, but then the meningitis turned into another brain infection. And when you have two brain infections within three months, that really makes the doctors go, what the hell is going on? Because you're not even supposed to have one. So, um, they started to really look into what was going on. And ultimately what was the problem was that his skull had become porous. And for those of you who don't know what that is, because I didn't, it's your, it's basically like a sponge, your brain, your skull is a sponge and your skull is literally there to protect your brain from infections. So it's now no longer functioning, basically his skull. So, um, they came up with the, the only thing they could possibly do is to continue having brain surgeries, which of course is not really an option. Um, so they said there's nothing else they could do for him. And they told us that they, that he had hours to days to live. So, and he was in Boston and, um, they didn't even know that he would make it home to York, which is about an hour. 
um, in Maine. And um, so we, you know, when you get that kind of news, your whole entire life just stops and we start making plans. We start you know, figuring out and trying to handle our emotions so that we can just, you know, all business, me and my family, like we, we've been mm-hmm. waiting for this for a really, really long time. We allowed ourselves a nice little crying fit. And then we were like, all right, let's, you know, let's get down to business and figure this out and get through it. And so, you know, family flies in and what, you know, we start being told is that he, he, the brain infection hadn't taken over his body. They were expecting it to happen literally any minute. So that's why they said that he did, they didn't think he'd make it home from the hospital, but it didn't happen before he left the hospital. So now he's coming home, he get makes it home. And now, um, you know, we're talking to them. We figure, well, if they're saying hours to days to live, he must be going to hospice, but he couldn't go to hospice because his he had no pain. And the only pain, the only thing he was doing was taking a Tylenol. And anybody who's ever dealt with hospice will understand that you, the insurance doesn't just pay for you. It doesn't pay for a hospice unless he, that it is a pain that he can, that we cannot handle for on his behalf at home. So if it's Tylenol, that's all we have to do. There is the insurance is not paying for him to go to a hospice house. They're not paying for hospice to come and spend 24 hours a day with him. So it ended up that now we became his full-time care. And very quickly, hours turned into days and days turned into weeks. And all of a sudden, he's walking around the house, no problem. All of a sudden, he's eating three meals a day. All of a sudden, he's going to the bathroom by himself. And we're all like, what the heck is happening here? And the only thing that, like, from the outside in, you would think nothing was wrong with him. But what was happening was that he also had dementia-like symptoms. So he could not be left alone for even a second. It was like babysitting a child. And nine times out of 10, when he's getting out of his chair, it's to go to the bathroom. But then there was always this one time that he thought, oh, I got to go to work or I got to go mow the lawn or I need to go outside and do this. And we had to stop him. And it actually got to the point that he was, you know, he didn't recognize my mom or he didn't know what he was thinking that, his father was sitting at the table. His father had passed away years ago. It was sitting at the table with us. It was just, um, yeah, really confusing for him and really hard for our family because we just everything, we had to just stop everything we were doing. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, you're just kind of like the way that you were describing what was going to happen to him was just that it's going to be like he jumps off like a cliff. He falls off a cliff. Like he is fine, fine, fine. And then not fine. So ultimately like it could happen at three 32 in the afternoon on a Tuesday, it could happen at three o'clock in the morning on a Thursday night. It could happen anytime, anywhere that all of a sudden like that, the brain infection takes over. So we were constantly in this state of what are we doing here? And and it was just the ultimate feeling in total and complete out of control. And um, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't make plans for the following week. My you know my boss was wondering if I would be available for a staff meeting. I was like, I don't know, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I have no idea. Um, and it was just everything. We couldn't make plans a week ahead. We couldn't make plans the next day. It was just very very out of control. And when it rains, it pours. So not only was this happening in my personal life, but at the time I was trying to build a business as an events coach. Um, I said, my background is events and sponsorships. I was doing event 
coaching. So helping people create retreats and conferences for their own businesses. And I had, um, you know, clients who were signing up, clients who were on contract, et cetera, et cetera. And during this specific time, because of course, everything happens at the same time, I had one client who was refusing to pay me. And when I wouldn't let her out of her contract, I was the one causing all the stress and harm in her life. I had one client who said yes. And then when I would send them the payment link in the contract, they refused to sign and they refused to pay. And then they told me they didn't want to. So it was just like, I was really trying to dig myself out of a financial hole and also just all these things falling apart left and right. Mm -hmm. And it was just like everything that could go wrong in my life was going wrong. And I just found myself at the deepest, darkest space I had ever remembered being in. And I, I consider myself a pretty positive person. I've always been very driven. I've always been very determined to make things happen for myself. And at this point in my life, I was just so lost, so out of control, so sad, so um, just really frustrated that the things I was trying to make happen for myself just weren't happening. And um, I was part of a business mastermind at the time. And my business coach more so became like a therapist for me because I was just going through this ridiculous time in my life. And I remember they had was a conference coming up that I had signed up for in December before he had gotten sick. And it was in Las Vegas. And I was contemplating whether or not to go. And my mom was like, just go. What are you going to do? Stay here and wait to see if it, anything happens. If something happens, you get on a plane and you come home. So but I knew that I couldn't go to that conference feeling the way I was feeling. I had to allow myself to just have the total breakdown. And I remember one morning before I was going to work, I just was on the Voxer with my my coach just crying to her, like 10 minute long message of just, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to make it through. I don't know how, I just wanna give up. I just want this to, I just can't do this anymore. And I knew that I had to have that breakdown before I went to Las Vegas, because if I went to Las Vegas feeling the way I was feeling, I wouldn't have been able to receive the messages that I needed to receive while I was there. And the message that I got from my coach in that moment was just like, you need to feel, you need to live in this. You need to feel this suck. You just need to allow the only way out is through. And so you have to allow yourself to experience all of this and it sucks and it's hard but you have to just let yourself be here so that you can come out on the other side because the only way where it plays to go from here is up if you let yourself do that. And so I did, and I went to Las Vegas and um, it was a three-day conference and it was great. But on the very last day, the very last speaker was this guy, Andy Frisella. And um, while I don't, uh, I don't say, I, I don't really agree with most of what he says and talks about. He did create this program called 75 hard. Um, and he just kind of mentioned it on stage and he mentioned it as this thing that was really, really hard that you probably wouldn't do or finish <laughs> like you, meaning any person in the world. Um, but it was a challenge. And I, in the past, I had always been this person who was really, who really was up for the big challenges. I had done four Olympic distance triathlons, trained for all of them in New York City, which is not easy. And, um, but besides that, I was always the person who took on the big challenges. And if somebody said, you can't do this, I was always like, okay, watch me <laughs> kind of thing. Just always super disciplined, always ready to like, 
just see what could happen. And I had totally lost that person. I was always an athlete too. And I totally, both of those identities had totally just fallen away from me. And in this moment, I just felt like I am so out of control. I have no discipline whatsoever. I feel the worst that I've felt in a really long time. I need something. I need something to get me back on track. And I don't even know what on track looks like. So I decided to do 75 hard. And what 75 hard is, is it's 75 days of doing these five different habits every day. And if you miss one, you have to start over on day one. And it's pretty intense, but it is a discipline and mental toughness challenge. And it was exactly what I needed at that time. And the promise that I made to myself was that I would make it through the 75 days, no matter what. And I would not start over. And so what that meant was I had to be super focused. I had to be super aware and I had to make sure that I was planning ahead um, so that I could get all the stuff done. And awareness comes into play like I can't go off thinking about something else and not be aware that I'm not doing the habits like I had to be super present and, you know, be able to check off that list like, yes, I did these things today. So um, it taught me about boundaries. It taught me about how to how it is so important to fill our cups, my cup first before, so I can take care of everybody else. It taught me about, um, the magic of allowing myself to hear my thoughts and to uh, trust my inner wisdom and to trust my, um, instincts. It taught me that, Self-care really is doing these daily things every day that fill your cup first, that like reading 10 pages of a, non of a self-improvement book so that you can just learn about how your mind works, how your body works, how just believing in other things besides the, th the simple things put it in front of you and just challenging you on, on thoughts that you've always had and stories that you've always had. Um, but also one of the habits is getting 45 minutes of outdoor movement every day or working out every day. And so I, for me, that was walking and the walking just changed my life so much. I found so much clarity in those moments that I was taking time for myself and walking by myself and just allowing myself to be with myself. I mean, and there were, you know, a lot of those walks were full of tears and, um, sadness for my dad and, in the situation that we were in, but I allowed myself that 45 minutes was my time and nothing, nothing could get in the way of that time for me. And it could be whatever I needed it to be in that day. And, um, I just learned about how it really was so important for me to communicate with my family about what I needed and to say, I, you know, one of the things was my mother really wanted me to be home um, when I was helping with her and my dad, she really wanted me to be home for our dinner so that I was eating dinner with them. And, but at the same time, she wanted to be able to leave the house during the day. So there was just simple communication, like, okay, well, if you want me to be here for dinner, I need to go for a walk before dinner. So you need to be home by four so that I can go for the walk from four to 415 to five. And then I can be here to help you cook and be here for dinner. And those are the types of communications that's like, that's a loving boundary that you're putting up with your family that 
I was never taught how to do those things, but because this thing became the most important thing in my life, I was able to see the, the magic of, and the power of boundaries when I speak to what I need. And I'm so glad I went through that experience because on uh, up to day 52, on day 52, I was at CrossFit at six o'clock in the morning and I got a phone call from my mom that the, the infection had arrived. And so for day 52, 53, 54, and then on 55, we were my dad's full-time care. And I didn't miss a beat with the this challenge. And on day 55, he did finally pass away. And I would wish the experience of having to care for somebody with a brain infection on no one. Um, it was absolutely horrible. And I had every excuse in the book to stop what I was doing. I could very easily have said, I can't emotionally handle making sure that I get in these habits. I can't. I need time. I need to just be here. I need to be with my family. I need to be here with my dad. But I didn't do that. What I actually did was, um, and this is where I say that selfish is self-love, is I actually filled my cup first every day. And I said, okay, brothers and mom, I need two and a half hours total throughout this day. These 24 hours, I need two and a half hours. So you, Tommy, can sit with dad for this time. You, Vin, can sit with dad for this other time. And then I will take on everything else. But I need you to give me this space so that I can take care of myself first so that I can be there for dad and I can be there for you and I can be there for mom. And I am so grateful for that experience and the, what I learned up to day 52 because I will always remember those that time with helping my dad in his last days as a, not a good time. <laughs> it was definitely sad. I don't want to say it was good, but I have no resentment. I have no ill feelings. I have no anger towards that experience because I was so full on my own. I was, my cup was so full and I was taking care of myself every single step of the way that there was, it was almost like I was, I was stressless. I had no stress. I had no anxiety. And, and we, it's true. We had been ex waiting for this for so long, but it doesn't make it any easier when it comes. And I will say that I think that because I prioritized myself first, every single minute, um, making sure that I got my stuff in first so that I could be fully focused on him for the rest of the time. I know that that's why I will always feel at peace with the, that time in my life. And now, you know, I got through those couple of days and then I was, I, you know, grief is a funny thing. It hits us all very, very differently. There are days that um, I'll look outside and there's a train passing by. My dad was huge on model trains and the train, the freight trains will be passing by and I'll know it's him and I'll just break out in tears and it's been two years. So it's just grief hits us all in very different ways. But I know that this foundation that I've created for myself through the 75 hard program, which is now my lifestyle, I am today is day 75 of 75 of my fourth round of 75 hard because I know that this, this structure creates a whole lot of freedom in my life. 
And it just allows me to be super grounded and connected to who I want to be. And, and that alignment that I was looking for, for so long, that disciplined person that I knew I always was the athlete that I am just feeling really good in mind, body, and soul. And I know it's because of this structure and this accountability and these habits that I put in place. And ever since, you know, I had that experience and then I shared every single thing that I did on 75 hard online on social media. And what happened was that I, I just did it because I needed accountability. It wasn't to show off and I had no idea that I would actually make it through, but it was how I held myself accountable. And what started to happen was people came out of the woodwork left and right, asking me how, what I was doing, asking me about my journey, um, cheering me on every step of the way. And I mean, there was one day I was walking in downtown Portland, um, past a restaurant and there were people sitting outside on the, on the street, on the sidewalk. And somebody I knew who follows me, who's I'm connected to through Facebook stops me and goes, Hey, day 66. Right. And I was like, Oh my, yes. Day 66. I didn't even know it was day, but yeah, you're right. It's day 66. And it was just so magical to see this experience that this, this tragedy that I went through that, how it turned into like the most positive experience of my life. Um, actually was affecting other people too. And I was creating this ripple effect, inspiring other people along the way. And what ended up happening months later was that I heard the voice that I was coaching the wrong thing. And when I actually considered maybe I could step into this world of mindset coaching and accountability, and actually I didn't even know what to call it because I didn't think it was life coaching. Um, I suddenly realized all these people who I'd been helping over the last six months since I had been through my own transformation. And that was the universe just sending me little notes and little hints and little whispers that I was meant for something else. And once I finally allowed myself to consider it, I was like, oh, I think I'm supposed to do this other thing. I just, I signed up for a course, a business course, and I ended up starting creating this program called the Align and Empowered Project. And it was like, as soon as I opened the doors to that, it was like, oh yes, this is something all these people want to be a part of and all these people need. And it was really just me creating a, a container that of all the things that I kind of pulled together on my own and created my own little program, but this little project for myself. And I had a business, you know, I had a coach, I had a group of people who were cheering me on. I had this accountability. I had, um, I had these habits, I had this structure, but it was all in different places. So what I did was I pulled all of that together into one space. And then all of a sudden it has taken on a life of its own, which has been super magical, but given me a whole new purpose in life and a whole new vision and direction. And it all came from this thing that should have been so horrible, um, should have been right. So we talk about the should coulds and woulds, but in somebody else's eyes, maybe it would have been something, something that really knocks somebody out. And for me, it was like, it actually was this door that opened up a whole new world for me. So yeah, that's my whole story. <laughs> it's long. I hope you, uh, enjoy it. I hope you laid back and enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I so love it. And there's so many different sentiments throughout like the dedication to self-care and establishing boundaries and all these different things and really prioritizing yourself because 
in society, we're just not taught this stuff. Like we're not taught it Mm -hmm. in schools, like unless our families are, you know, more progressive, our family members aren't, you know, taught it. And, you know, a lot of people hear the word boundaries and they don't really understand it too. So that's amazing that even though you were going through this really difficult time, that consistency and having something for yourself really got you through it. Um, which yes. is, it is so important and it's so much to a sentiment to like your mindset and everything that you're working on. And I know mindset is a big component of your work. So what does that look like for you? Yeah. So, okay. So my mindset practice, first of all, I have a mindset coach, um, because what I have found is that the ways that I actually am able to dig into the, so mindset, if you haven't read the book mindset by Carol Dweck, I highly recommend it. It really gives you, uh, a really cool understanding of what mindset is in the first place. And she breaks it down into these two pieces, which is your fixed mindset versus your growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And some people lean toward more towards a fixed mindset. Some people lean more towards a growth mindset. And I think that in every day, in every different situation, we can find ourselves leaning more one way or another. And your fixed mindset, another way to talk about it is your limiting beliefs, your ego, your past conditioning, whatever it may be. But it's essentially this voice inside your head that's telling you you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You can't do that. You should just stay right where you are. You should just be content. You should have a, you should be married at 38. You should have Mm -hmm. all these things, right? The shoulds of your life or like, don't take that leap. Stay right where you are. Stay super safe. Um, and so what I have found part of my practice is to understand that fixed mindset, really, truly the subconscious thoughts that I'm having is you have to ask yourself the right questions and you have to allow yourself the opportunity to answer. Because sometimes, especially I've, I've now discovered, and this is actually just because I have not only been coaching other people in mindset, but also been coached within a master mindset coach. Um, is it, if you like, it's, it's, you have to ask yourself the right questions and you have to understand when you're answering from the surface versus answering from your truest self. And for example, um, one of the things that I really like to dig into is my money mindset, because I, uh, that's a, probably a conversation for another day, but I, I would love to open up the conversation of money. So it's not so taboo, but, mm-hmm. um, one of the story, the you know, one of the things that I asked myself that I heard on another podcast is that a, a, a limiting belief that you might have that you don't even know you have is to ask yourself what would happen to your parents if you got super rich. And I remember being on a walk and asking myself that question, and immediately the thought that came to mind was, my mother would be so happy and relieved and ha- and whatever, da 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 da, and that's probably the realistic question of like what probably would happen but it's not the answer that I'm telling myself the story that I'm telling myself in my self-conscious subconscious and I knew that that wasn't the truth because there 
it was, it came so easily and it, I felt that it was a very surface answer. So when I, I literally had to take off my headphones and walk in silence and say to my, because I had, I was listening to a podcast that this question came up and I said, no, 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 really, what would this mean for my mother and my father who had just passed away if I got rich? And what immediately came up for me was this idea that the story that I was telling myself that for my dad, who worked so hard his entire life and truly believed that the only way to make a good living was to do a job you didn't love. Mm-hmm. He always, and he was the one who, he hustled his entire, entire, entire life for money. And it was his truth that the only way to make money and to survivable money, not even like abundant money, was to bust your ass and also have a job that you don't love because he didn't have a job that he loved. And what came up for me, the story was that I would be showing him up. Hmm. And because I would be getting rich doing a job I loved and that wasn't, that didn't feel like a hustle, that didn't feel hard, that didn't feel like a 90 hour week. And that was a story. And as soon as that came up for me, I was like, oh, well, okay, that's something I need to dig into. And then once you feel, once you understand the stories that you're actually telling yourself deep down, you get the opportunity to clear those, right? But awareness, you have to get awareness. So part of the mindset work, coming back to your original question, is allowing yourself to even see those stories. Because if you do not have the awareness of the stories that you're really, truly telling yourself deep down, then you don't even have a chance to change that. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. that, and like part of transformation is having awareness. If you don't know what the problem is, you can't change it, right? That's just like, if you're at work and you have a boss who just is really pissed at you, but not actually telling you why they're pissed at you, what, how you did something wrong or how you could do better, then you have no chance. There's no setup for success there. It's the same thing with mindset work and your past beliefs and limiting beliefs and past conditioning and that ego. If you don't allow yourself the time and space to hear to hear that stuff, you'll never be able to make changes. And there's so many people, especially that come through my program, that know what the question is they have to ask, but they don't want to hear the answers. Mm-hmm. because the answers usually mean they got to make a change of some sort. Right. And change and a lot is of, hard. Yeah. And a lot of people just aren't ready and they don't, yeah. yeah. A lot of people resist change. So yeah. And what resists persists. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you don't allow yourself the opportunity to make the change, if you don't even allow yourself to hear the, you don't have to make a change, but once you hear the truth, you're like, oh shit. Like when you are, why am I so miserable in my job? But you don't actually allow yourself to answer that question. You are just going to stay right where you are and just allow yourself to be miserable in the job. Right. right. And then you'll just build all this resentment and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So to me, so my practices is allowing myself to work with a mindset coach who can ask me the deep questions and be there and hold space for me as I work through that. And uh, you know, allow, and, and this can be a mindset coach and therapist. I have both. And, um, your therapist is there to help you with the trauma stuff, the older stuff. Right. But then your mindset coach gets to ask you, you know, support you as you start to reframe that stuff, reframe, reframe those things. Um, 
And also the other practice that I do, and this is, I do this when I need it. Some people will, I recommend they do it daily. Um, but I'm so in tune with myself when I need this and I do, I do walks every single day. So I would say there is a form of meditation there, but I have a practice of meditation and journaling together. So I will sit down when I have a question or I'm feeling unsettled, or I feel like there's something going on within me and I can't figure it out on my own. I will sit down and meditate and I'll talk with my guides. It's very woo woo. Um, I'll talk with my guides, ask them to give me guidance. And then I will follow up with a journaling session of like just free writing everything that comes up during that meditation. And then I'll reflect on whatever came up and really allow myself to sit with that stuff. Um, you know, sometimes the answers that you hear are not the ones you want to hear, but they're the most important answers. So don't, I have found myself hearing things and I'm like, that can't be it. That can't be the right answer. Come on, give me something else. And it's like, nope, that's, that's it. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess I have to work through that, whatever. So, um, yeah, that's, those are the biggest, I, and the daily walking is probably the biggest thing for me. And again, I'm very in tune. So I know the days that I need to just listen to an audiobook that's pretty mindless. I listen to like a lot of detective novels on Audible. Um, but then there's days that I'm like, no, I need dancing music. I need to feel like I'm strutting on top of a bar. And then there's other days that I'm like, I want to listen to an inspirational podcast. And then there's other days that I'm like, I want nothing. I want silence. I just want me. I just want my thoughts. I want to hear the birds and just go. Um, and that's a huge part of my life is the daily walks. Yeah. I so love that. I'm, I'm a walker too. I've been, oh God, walking for like, and like intentionally walking for, for a while in terms of yeah. it being more of a meditative practice. So it's so grounding and calming and it's such a great mm -hmm. thing to have part of your self-care routine and things like that. And, um, you know, I just want to say for your listeners walking outside, no matter what, yeah, no matter what. So even on the, oh, it's really cold today. Yeah. Gear up, baby. Gear up. Uh, put on, get your snow pants, get your snow jacket. Get your, I, I've, if it's snowing pretty hard, I'll put my snow, ski goggles on. Right. But there's nothing that stops you from, and actually those are my favorite days when it's like, it's actually not perfect outside. Um, Cause you got to work a little bit harder and then you get done and you're like, damn, that was, that was good. That was, that was a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and so for the listeners out there who are interested in learning more about you and your work and potentially working with you, where can they find your work? Yeah. So I would say the best place to find me is on either. Well, the Instagram <laughs> is probably the best place to um, hear connect with me and see my story. I'm also on a mission to build a TikTok. I've been so resentful so uh resistant to the tiktok for so long but now i'm really starting to lean in there so um i'm sharing a lot of tips and habits and thoughts on tiktok as well so instagram um and it's a, my whole entire name so mary.teresa.tringali on both platforms but those are that's where i hang out the most 
Um, and then I also have, if you go to my Instagram there, the URL there is a free, um, well, right now at the time of this recording is a free mini training on how to turn your power list into, or your to-do list into a power list. I should say that correctly. It is a mini training on how to turn your to-do list into a power list so that you can actually move the needle in your life. Um, and then that way, you know, you'll get on my email list that way and we stay connected there as well. Love it. And I will definitely leave links uh, in the show notes so everyone can go and check it out. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Mary. This is so great. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your platform with me and your message. I so appreciate your time and for allowing me to be here with you today.